Hello, I am Katrina Collier, and as part of my mission to inspire all the people that recruit people to treat people better, I bring you the Hiring Partner Perspective Unedited podcast. Here, you will hear from those hiring leaders who create true partnerships with recruiters, HR, and talent acquisition because they know that it delivers a better result for the business and a better human experience. May this podcast inspire other hiring leaders to create better partnerships with their recruiters and HR. And may it inspire recruiters to create true and valuable partnerships with their hiring leaders because people make businesses succeed and people matter. So let us begin. Well, hello, Jennifer Zaborowski, if I've pronounced that correctly. Welcome to the Hiring Partner Perspective, unedited podcast. Thank you very much, Katrina. I could not be more excited to be here. Oh, I'm really grateful for your time, especially as in your current role, you are the Associate Director, IT Business Operations. That sounds um, very posh. What does that actually mean for we mere <laughs> non-IT mortals? Um, it, it is a fun title, isn't it? I got to pick it yes. myself in the last reorg. Um, so this isn't my first role in my current shop, but basically um, what I've been doing since I got there is the company grew spectacularly quickly. IT grew spectacularly quickly. So I've been able to do get my hands on lots of exciting process development and process improvement. My current things that I'm working on is I manage the IT knowledge management function. That's all the documentation and making yep. sure our fantastically brilliant technologists can find stuff that they need, uh, procedures and stuff. And I'm building an IT training function. We've never had one of those before. So I'm getting to have all the fun. I find the whole non-investment of training within companies quite fascinating, but that's another rant. I'm not going to go into it this precise moment. (laughs) I I think that was probably one of the things driving my position is there's a recognition, you know, technology and IT used to change every year, every couple of years. Some of the technology partners are releasing new stuff like every week. So Mm. we we need a really robust training function to say this is coming out in a few months. You better learn it now because, you know, developing your people is critical. Why is it critical? I know why it's critical, but just in case somebody actually doesn't know why it's critical. Hint, hint, anybody listening? <laughs> well, I, I think for me, my philosophy, a lot of it is actually around motivation because when people yeah. feel invested in, they're so like motivated and primed and empowered to give back. And I think an employee who's confident, he or she kind of knows what he or she's doing and they're confident logging into a system or they're confident practicing a soft skill, even stuff like public speaking because IT is full of introverts. Mm. And we need a little support with that. So we invest in our people. And then in turn, it's like they repay us with dividends. It's awesome. You must get higher retention. Actually, it must help you hire as well, but you must get better retention if you're developing people as well. I I think it definitely has an impact on recruiting that paired with things like the, you know, a robust internship program and then lots of people who are willing to be mentors, you know, after the hiring process. But yeah, the turnover is extremely low. Yeah, that's the, so it all makes sense, doesn't it? I'm always saying like the, I mean, I look at my career, you know, I started 30-ish years ago. Mm -hmm. And of course, there wasn't the internet to show behind the scenes or to open the door to your company. So people couldn't see what your company was like and they couldn't see the other jobs. So of course, people didn't really invest in their people, but now it's changed, which is lovely, lovely to hear. Um, The other thing I saw in your background that I really loved 
was that you're a 2020 mentor, which I assume is still a 2021 mentor as well, mm-hmm. at Her Honor Mentoring. Can you tell us a bit about that? Because it looked amazing. It is a fantastic program and it, it pairs women who are in, you know, established professionals, usually in leadership roles with young women who are just finishing their last year of high school. And the, the, the young women that become mentees are in varied situations, you know, possibly some of them um, don't have folks in their families who've been to higher education or, you know, maybe they're navigating some financial constraints. And our job as a mentor is to help develop things like leadership skills and practical skills and money skills and really kind of kit them out for the real world once they finish high school and go off to university. And I, I honestly think that the mentors get as much or more out of it than the mentees do. Um, I've basic, I've consistently mentored over my career because it's just really, really important to me. But I absolutely love this program and my mentee is a rock star. What I was literally going to ask that and you sort of alluded to it, but I'm going to get you to go further down. <laughs> what have you gained from it? But no, because... <laughs> I mentor a few people as well, so I know what mm-hmm. I gain from it. But I'm always talking to people who want to ask someone to mentor them and it's making sure there's a return. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's a balance. So how have you grown doing this or changed or has you know, it surprised you even? <laughs> I'm sure. And it's funny to me because people are always like so stage fright when they're like, I need to be mentored. Would you like to mentor me? And of course, I'm like weeping with joy and feeling flattered that I've been asked because to me, it's like someone thinks that I'm, you know, clever enough or have enough experience that they want to know, you know they want to listen to me. And that's like a huge compliment. So I hope no one would really be afraid to ask for mentoring. But for me, it, it really the dialogue with someone who has a fresh and sometimes even completely unvarnished perspective sort of forces me to refine my thinking. There's a there's a really healthy back and forth because somebody who doesn't have 20 or 30 years of industry experience, 20 or 30 years as a female in a male workforce, all of those things that have kind of shaped me, they don't have any of that. So they ask really real basic questions and it, it makes me think. And I love that. Um, it, it's also just yeah, the delight so of seeing someone, you know, if, if you have kids, it's a, it's a similar process. You know, you're pouring into someone and investing in their life and then you watch them grow and then they go off and do wonderful things. Um, one of my mentees, actually, she was an intern that I also mentored and she came in and she was convinced she was going to be a game designer. And then, you know, we kind of like, which is fine. That sounds super cool. Yeah, I'm not nearly cool very enough cool. to do that. But, you know, it, in talking to her, I'm thinking, I don't know if that's a, a forever position on things. If it had been like about a boyfriend, I would have gently steered her away from it. So it was. <laughs> Um, (laughs) And I said, well, why don't you go and work a week with this team and see, you know, put some of those wonderful developer skills to work. And why don't you go here and, you know, put your investigative skills to work. She ended up changing her career. And, you know, just like with parenting, just giving somebody advice doesn't necessarily work, but kind of getting to know them. And it's a two-way relationship. I think it's delightful to be able to have a positive impact on somebody who's still coming along. And I love the fact you almost got her to go and play in the different teams. I don't know, I'm trivializing the word, but I just mm-hmm. try, test this out. Go and play this and try it on. How does it fit? Mm-hmm. I think that's so mm-hmm. cool. You know, you alluded to that thing and I've worked in male-dominated in- industries. I've worked in the motor mm-hmm. trade and staffing and I've always actually felt really comfortable. I've never thought anything of it. Mm-hmm. But obviously you're clearly a woman confidently working in IT, <laughs> what, yeah, but it. we know this is a really male-dominated industry. So uh, yeah. what do you think that hiring leaders can do to encourage more women into the sector? 
Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, and this, you know, I, I came from an investment banking background. All of my early stuff. Oh, that's very male dominated. <laughs> yeah, financial services. And, you know, um, I, I've kind of always gravitated towards both in London and in New York, big companies. I just like the environment. And it, it never bothered me. Um, I, I love working in these male teams um, because basically some of the stuff that I think characteristics and core competencies and ways of working and interacting that are kind of native programming for women, most a lot of women are not necessarily native core skills for a lot of men. So when you can come into a group and you're a good connector and you're a good collaborator and you're a good peacemaker and you're not competitive in the same way and you're good at making connections between ideas that don't look related to somebody who has like men typically have such laser vision and women have more of a wide angle lens. Mm. And if you can get both together, then you get the laser focus and the, I'm thinking about all the things that you can't see in your single beam while you're going deeper than I'm going with my wide angle beam. It's so powerful. And I think once you've built up relationships and consistently added value, um, I, I, for me, it's just, you know, I, I feel like a valued member of the team. So from my perspective, when I'm talking about this with other young women, women who are coming into the workforce, um, I do a lot of university recruiting frequently. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm running my mouth all the time on LinkedIn. I love that place. Um, <laughs> it, it's important to be able to share, you know, it, this sounds daunting, but really it's not. And before you've yeah. even set foot in a university, you have probably a lot of these inherent skills that are sometimes missing in a predominantly male workforce. And so you have a great contribution you can make and you just need to wait in there and be fearless. So just talking to them and um, talking about how fantastically fun IT and STEM things are, but it does require some commitment doing the university recruiting, doing the mentoring, Mm -hmm. agreeing to be on a hiring panel anytime you're asked, you know, things like that too. Yeah, that's actually, that's very true, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And it's also... um, because I, well, I was running events before this little, you know, <clears throat> inconvenient uh-huh. pandemic appeared. Uh-huh. Um, I'm so <laughs> very sorry. Annoying. Very annoying. Um, yeah. But I was always always making sure there are diverse panels. And I think yeah. it's really important that the male speakers push back and say, no, we need more women speakers to come through. But that's another whole conversation for another mm-hmm. podcast. That's the whole allyship. But what I, yeah. yeah. What I did want to hear more about, though, was that you sure. mentioned before we came on, about a group that you've created within your current company to really support women as well. Can you tell me more about that? Oh, I would love to. I get so excited mm-hmm. talking about women in technology. We shorten it to wit. Um, sometimes we invite <laughs> love uh, that. That fun? Sometimes yes. we invite male colleagues, you know, for, for to partner with them in events and then we call it sweet S W I T, you know, supporting <laughs> women in IT. So this this little group, it really started as just an informal, let's go have an after work dinner and drinks to celebrate the holidays. And we had such a good time. Um, I invited one of our really senior leaders, um, a female senior leader, and she just looked at me straight across the table and said, you know, this should really be at least quarterly, and I think you should aim for monthly. And I, it just hadn't occurred to me that there would be an interest, but, you know, she only had to tell me once. And so we started doing <laughs> quarterly before the pandemic, but then when this delightful pandemic locked us all in our houses, mm. um, I kept hearing among female colleagues the balancing what they were doing for their kids who were now at mm. home and trying to do their work. And it, it's in some ways for us women, it hasn't been all that different because we do a lot of juggling anyway. And women who were... um 
looking for support and mentoring, navigating this workforce, you know, a very technology, um, they, they love the technology, but it is a male workforce. So, you know, we've been surveying and talking to our women and what they're really hungry for is career development and yeah. mentoring and, and some personal development, like, you know, core skills. I get shy when I do public speaking. I really would like to be more organized so I can hone my time management. And so this year's focus, last year's focus, there were a lot of speakers coming in and just sharing um, from the wealth of the experience. And, you know, we had Debbie Easterday come in and talk about Find Your Voice. And the women are still talking about that one. She really Who woke everybody up. Doesn't love incredible. Debbie Easterday. <gasps> My gosh, that woman is just so amazing. I, I adore her. Yes. And she really kind of hit us where we were. The, you know, make your voice heard at meetings, make your presence felt. People are still talking mm-hmm. about it. Um, yeah. So our first event this year is going to be a career development panel. And we're getting really practical. You know, here's a spreadsheet to use to take your goals that you want to reach for the year and align them with the strategy in IT and our, you know, way and, you know, your competencies that you're developing and here's how you're going to track them. So at mid-year and at the end of year, you're handing your boss a spreadsheet that has right there in black and white what you said you were going to do and what you're doing and what you've done and learning plans. And we're getting super practical because um, I think women are less likely to go marching into someone's office and say, darn it, gosh, darn it, I want to raise. But if they can come in with a presentation or data Facts. and say... Yes, hear the facts of what I have done for you this year. And let's talk about how we're going to respond to that. You know, it makes a, it's an easier conversation, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And we do do that. And I think there's, I mean, there's so many things you just touched on there that relate to that. The pandemic has unfortunately set many women back because mm-hmm. they've had to take the role of carer mm-hmm. and, and, and homeschooler. And that exactly what you said, the confidence to go in, like, this is why I deserve this. This is what I've achieved. Mm-hmm. I love that you're making it so practical as well. But I bet these are questions that many aren't asking whether they change roles internally or at recruitment either. Sort of, you know, what's development? What where does the team fit in the grand scheme of you mm-hmm. know the company's goals and how will I be developed and Ooh, so many exactly. questions we should be asking. <laughs> I, I think so too. And I was um, very impressed. I, I, it got back to me because I, we have great, um, in my current shop, we have really great business partners in HR. And one of the recent interviewees said, I, you know, after we knew that she was going to get the job, was like, why weren't there women on my hiring panel? I know you have women in leadership. And it got everyone thinking. And so, you know, and I heard this story and um, another of the the ladies in my leadership took it as a, you know, as an assignment. And we've been working with HR to make sure that, yes, we do have women on hiring panels and we may be looking for different skills than the men are looking for, um, which kind of, you know, gets us around to, I actually, particularly for consultants, but also for full-time, it is so important to have the help of somebody who's good at finding you talent that fits what you're looking for. It is absolutely vital because you can go in there with a list longer than what you gave Santa Claus and somebody who's good at that kind of a thing can really help you. And then when you're putting all these wonderfully qualified candidates in front of a hiring panel and you can influence that, yes, there are a lot of women in that mix. um, I think everybody wins. Absolutely. And certainly Debbie would do that with you. (laughs) The way she partners. (laughs) Totally. I I mean, so many things are as well. And it's funny with the hiring panels, like you took that really well with someone saying, why weren't there women 
you actually went, okay, we need to do something about that. Some companies mm-hmm. clamor, which is just ridiculous. And it's amazing how often it's women not thinking to put women on the hiring panel. It's like ironic, but I see it all yeah. the time or I'll see a, a going back to the conference thing. Here's this white male middle-aged speaking lineup that was put together mm-hmm. by a female. And I'm just like, oh, stop it, stop it, stop it. <laughs> No, no, it's, your hiring panel has got to look like your organization or it's yes. you know, it's fake news otherwise. Yeah. yeah. How do you do that as an organization then with, like you're wanting to attract more women in. Are you really frank about like where you're at with your diversity? Oh. In, do you know what I mean? Because some oh, companies yeah. like pretend and then you get inside and they're like 99% white male. <laughs> We we actually, my current place is more blessed than a, a lot of previous shops in that particularly from like a global workforce perspective, you know, it's like walking around the UN, which I love. Um, and there's diversity on a whole lot of demographics, lots of different like age groups are represented, for example, and a lot of very active ERGs. So there is a positive story to tell, but then you hone in on the technology space and I, when I'm talking about it, I usually say, you know, if you have that problem solver, fixer up or roll up your sleeves and jump in personality, then, you know, it would be really great to have you getting involved with the women's network because that's what it's like for us right now. We're jumping in, we're waiting in, we're finding the problems and we're addressing them. Um, it, oh, it's in a really good place, but wouldn't it be boring if it was already completely fixed and people with, you know, that kind of personality didn't have anything to do? So, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely, definitely. You know. So going to the flip side, you know, I've created this podcast. Mm-hmm. My idea is that hiring, I'm calling them partners, even though they call themselves hiring managers, will hear this mm-hmm. and feel inspired. And I want recruiters to really take on that. You know, I almost sit up when I do it. Like I'm a partner. We're doing this together, right? Mm-hmm. We're going to fill this mm-hmm. role together. Do, if you had a, one tip, two tip, you can give me 10. I'm happy with that. <laughs> To ensure that recruiters partner properly. You know, say they are a female recruiter looking Uh at a very male-dominated IT department. Have you got any tips for them to, like, you know, partner properly? Because not everyone's Debbie naturally. Well, not everybody's (laughs) Naturally or naturally, for that matter. Right. Well, I think one of the things that I really appreciate about a good partner when, you know, you need to add to your team, you're going to be spending a lot of time with this person. So it's, you know, not unlike a matchmaker or, you know, you're basically asking them to find you somebody that's then going to be part of your work family. So for me, the... um, soft skills and the culture fit is probably as important than the technical skills. I can teach you how to put together training. I can teach you how to assemble, you know, a good document, write a good policy. I can't teach you to enjoy working with others and get energy from that, you know? So I think um, having someone who's a recruiter, when I'm you know, basically when I have a, a spot that I need to fill, I think I probably spend almost more time talking about this is the culture of my company. This is the culture of my department. This is the culture in my team. This is what we value. This is what, you know, we really struggle with. And this is how I expect the person you're going to find me to behave and what I want their attitudes to be. And like, it's really important that someone doesn't need a babysitter and I can give you a piece of work and then I let you go and be you and yeah. be wonderful and be brilliant and please come to me if you hit any snags or you have questions or you just want to talk about it. But I'm relying on somebody who can be an an independent self-starter with a ton of initiative. That's critical. But you're also giving the time up front. Mm -hmm. 
Like mm-hmm. it's it's this resistance of like the hiring manager pulls out the job description from three years ago, pings it over to HR and they ping it out to wherever, be it in, internal or staffing. Mm-hmm. And it's like they won't spend the hour up front to save 20 <laughs> down the line, which is what I'm trying to get them to realise, how much time they'd save. Like, but, yeah, and I think... So you're thing, actually saying to yeah. recruiters, don't, like, don't accept it. Like partner properly, spend the hour, demand the yes. hour. Yes. <laughs> it is only I, an hour. You can cover a lot know, in an hour. And if they're resistant, then fine, we'll do this over breakfast, which you were going to do anyway or over lunch. But it's mm-hmm. it's more like, I mean, only an hour and then I'm going to get back somebody that's going to give me, you know, if it's a if it's a consultant, two, three, four years, or if it's an FTE, given our turnover rate, I'm practically going to feel married to this person. Um, <laughs> with that, and I think also one of the things that I wish that I really value about Debbie and I really kind of rely on, I've not been at my current shop for a long time. I was being a good IT resource and shifting every two or three years, you know, as I was building my career, but um, mm-hmm. I don't have any plans to relocate at this point, which means I haven't been in the market in a little while. Um, yeah. And everything we do to stay current, it's still not the same as, you know, being a candidate. So I really rely on somebody to be eyes and ears and tell me, you know, that's not how we describe those skills anymore. Um, maybe you want to be forward looking and look yes. for this stuff. Um, you know, we were... We were really struggling with the position a little while ago because, um, you know, the, the woman who reports to me and directly manages the technical writing function, we've been at this game a while. And so, you know, we're trying to describe the newer technology that we use to do documentation. And honestly, you know, we're not old ladies, but we're not young and we were struggling a little. So, you know, we're calling up recruiter and saying, what, what, is the, what does this kind of job description look like now? We, we want to attack yeah. somebody with super current, I don't care how old they are, but I want super current skills. And I actually want them to be able to nudge us forward when it's needed. So um, I really need a recruiter to come and push back on me if I'm asking for Fred Flintstone and I need George Heston, you know? <laughs> right. American cartoon reference. I'm sorry if you haven't. No, 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 no. It's I, I completely got it. It was just no. I was more mind blown by what you said, not the cartoon reference. Sorry. Um, <laughs> it was. It was more like yes, because if you understand, like I'd never thought about it like on that level. Like we do change the technology is still the same, but we mm-hmm. change the way we refer to it. For example, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I'd never really thought about it. that's such a value add. And I'm just thinking about how many recruiters will hear that and think, oh, I've never used that as a value add when I'm talking to a hiring manager. Like it's huge. You do know it's called this now. <laughs> like mm-hmm. yeah I mean it seems so obvious but of course you know we all get stuck in our little bubbles during our jobs don't we <laughs> well and if, if you put on you know 20 years ago when I was a hatchling in the workforce I, you know you could get away with bragging that you know how to use PowerPoint and <laughs> micro you know and Microsoft <laughs> Excel and I can schedule meetings in Outlook because I'm that whiz kid and if I see that on a resume now I'm like oh good and I'm also going to assume that you can read and write <laughs> Oh my God, our conversation though about trying to book this and I blocked it out all day because it was an Outlook calendar invite because somebody decided <laughs> making it set to all day as the default setting was intelligent. Anyway, that's another yes. conversation. We're definitely oh, not yes. going down that rabbit hole. No, no, that would be dreadful. <laughs> Did you have an aha moment in your years of interviewing where you just suddenly went, oh, like, and got it? Or has it just come with experience or... Of course, have you had a, like one of those big moments of learning to become a great hiring partner? 
oh, I know it's a better story if I had some kind of mountaintop epiphany, but honestly, <laughs> it was just, you know, it, it. It, it's, <laughs> well, it's been more acute here. And I have a, a really dear friend um, that I work with who leads our most cutting edge, most kind of forward-facing technology team. And mm-hmm. you know, so they 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 are on a par with folks like Amazon in terms of their technical skills. Um, mm-hmm. But he's like, we we can't, we can't necessarily screen if somebody's good at process and we can't necessarily screen if somebody's got like leadership skills or is a good collaborator. Could you come in and help us with that? I was like, as long as you don't make me ask him questions about cloud infrastructure, it's a deal. <laughs> and then, then Love when it. we were doing the debrief, it's like I had very different impressions than they did, but we ended up kind of splitting the difference. Because, you know, candidates that I said, I don't think this person is a fit and I don't think he's going to fit in your team for like these five reasons. And I'm like, oh, you know what? This is important because these guys sometimes work very long hours and they spend a lot of time locked in a small room like a pod solving a problem. Mm -hmm. If we sent somebody in there who doesn't, who can't work the way that they work, it could be really disruptive and have a really real impact on their productivity. Absolutely. So that was kind of my, more like a Christmas tree light moment than like a huge, like, you know, mountaintop moment. It was like, ping, oh, okay. I understand why you care about this because the way you work demands somebody who can integrate quickly and be successful in this environment. And um, you know, I've done a number, I did a number of interviews for him and it's having that kind of two-sided vetting processes helps them get better talent. And so for me, that was just an interesting, I've always kind of preferred behavioral interviews and checking for that because I can train you to do mm-hmm. almost anything from a skills perspective. But that was a big aha moment. I didn't realize other people valued that as much as they do. So that was a nice day. <laughs> yeah. But it is, I mean, it does make sense, doesn't it? But yes. It does. Again, we go into our bubbles. Do you Mm -hmm. have? This is really bad. I'm putting you on the spot saying this. Do you have a favorite behavioral question then? (laughs) I'm thinking, (laughs) seeing you like it, you might be able to cope with me throwing you in the spot or like that. No, no, not not at all. I it it sort of partly depends on um, you know what the person's going to be doing. But one of my favorites is I share a challenge that we haven't solved yet, so there's no right answer. And I'll say, you know, here's something that my team is trying to solve right now. And here's here's the challenge. And here's why it's a challenge in our culture. And here's what we've tried. If you join me tomorrow, what what would you want to do? And cool. it makes people very uncomfortable because I don't have an answer. <laughs> and I'm not trying to get you to perfectly solve my problem. I want to hear how you think about it. And I want to hear how comfortable you are walking into unknown quantities because guess what? That's every day. And so I just want to hear them say, oh, you know, and if I hear things like, wow, that sounds interesting. or Yeah, I can see how that'd be a problem. And it doesn't sound like you've tried this or this. And would that flow? And, you know, the questions this, does that fly in your culture? How do you guys feel about this? I can see if somebody's thinking about things the right way. And you can also see if they're okay with uncertainty. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, because you'll know immediately from that question. Well, and the other like, oh, no, they so, really, really need structure. They're not going to cope with this environment. Well, and it's also um, important to me um, in a leadership role that I'm approachable and that I'm not just sitting up in some tower and spitting out orders. That's really not how I do things. So, is that not so, what the associate director of IT business operations does? It sounds <laughs> like that's what you should be doing. It's a very posh job title. <laughs> Thank you. I like it as well. Yeah, I so, love job titles. I think they're fabulous. Some of them are just well, like, for ooh. some reason, they wouldn't. <laughs> 
let me have undisputed queen of all things business operations. And I don't Seriously? know why that is. I, I did ask, but I, it was you know, apparently, apparently that's not a common title in our job market. And I was advised against it for that reason. Well, I think that's rude. <laughs> I might put it on my LinkedIn anyway. Absolutely. And, but, you know, there are a lot of people coming from particularly, you know, backgrounds like I came from a financial services. It's really hierarchical. And having yeah. a boss that's going to be working beside you, not just supervising you, can be a little, it's like, you know, they want to understand why you're engaged the way you are. So if somebody's uncomfortable with a fairly um, friendly hierarchy, that that's something to note as well. So it's a leadership hierarchy rather than a managing hierarchy. Absolutely. Hugely different. Massive which one difference. I'd be going for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, if, if I need to manage you, then you probably don't belong in my team. If you're comfortable with leadership, we're going to get along great. Yeah. And that's that's the, that's the way it's going. The world's going. Mm-hmm. There are some companies are resisting that, but that's definitely <laughs> the way. Uh, it might be the injection of so many women in the workforce. You know, I, I was just reading... Um, Hardball for Women, which is an old classic, but I was like, I am my manager every few chapters going, oh my gosh, because she read it early in her career. And the whole, you know, sometimes little boys on the playground play competitive games and there's no winner when you play Barbie dolls, you know, a different goal, just as successful. And it was like, why didn't I think of it in these? I mean, I did play sports, so I get the competitive thing. And of course I can be competitive. And if somebody's messing with someone on my team, you will see the original mama bear, I assure you, but that's not the default mode, you know? (laughs) Yeah. But I also um, I think that's why there aren't a lot of women have bothered going through the glass ceiling because they actually go, yeah, I'm not that competitive. <laughs> like it's not, <laughs> we just are different. We're wired differently. So, and, and some companies have asked women to set aside focusing on their families or have been resistant <sighs> to the work-life balance. And um, you just flat out can't compromise on that. And, you know, that's, I, I've never been, com- I mean, I have five children. So oh my gosh. I wanted to compromise, I can't. <laughs> Uh, one of them Five? is off at college. Yes, they range from um, 20 and a half, who's off at Bristol University in the UK. And oh, then wow. they go, they stair step down. I've got a couple in high school, one in middle school, and I have a kindergartner. He does not understand work-life balance. So, no. and, and I don't want to miss anything. And I'm fortunate that more and more places are getting tuned to that, not just for the moms, but, you know, dad wants to coach little league or soccer and dad wants to go to the school play in the piano recital too. So I think it's probably maybe women were the ones who started the conversation and kind of forced mm. it. But I think dads are benefiting too. Which is good. And I think also yeah. there's just the burnout thing. You know, the pandemic mm-hmm. has allowed us to work from home and has allowed to create flexibility. Many of us have opened our eyes and gone, mm-hmm. we don't want to be commuting. We want to be doing what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. But there's that health side of it as mm-hmm. well. Like kind of going, actually, you know what? I just can't work 12-hour days constantly and actually be productive. So... Yeah, big change ahead. Yes, it'll be interesting to see what happens when we can go back to work. Mm. There will be those who are just tempted to slot right back into the old way of doing things, but I have a feeling a majority are just going to be like, no, I don't think that's going to work going forward. From all the little, you know, the hilarious polls you see on LinkedIn where it's like use the vote, the emotion, reaction (laughs) buttons to vote. (laughs) The majority are three days in the office, two days at home or two days in the office three days at home as a response. Yeah. Like there's nobody, very few, sorry, there are some people yeah. saying, because they're probably full extroverts and maybe in their 20s and want to party, <laughs> that they want to 
Go back. Yeah. No, I flatly refuse. I'm like, I work from home. I'm, I'm actually gone a bit more introverted since I've been working here. I might just stay well, here forever. sure. It encourages that. It, but it's, you know, and there's a healthy mix. I love going into the office, but I need the deep work and the time when I can kind of cordon myself off a little bit. And it's, um, I think that the other flexibility that I hope companies are thinking about you know, I might tell you that my default is three days a week or two days a week in the office, but there are going to be some mm-hmm. weeks that you see me four days and there are going to be some weeks that you see me no days. And that's okay. Yep. Yep. Because, you know, sometimes you, I have to be there, but sometimes yeah. I just really need to not be. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, it's not like we can't be accessed, right? The phone. <laughs> oh my gosh. Obviously nobody uses phone. it to call anybody, but you know, you can text <laughs> and WhatsApp and Slack and every other way under the sun to get hold of someone, you know. They're within reach. None of us have our phones out of reach because that would be scary. But anyway, yeah. Um, Jay Z, that was this was amazing, and I shouldn't call you that, but I do love the whole no, story it's behind totally it. Fine. <laughs> I, I so want to share, but my God, this is meant to be professional. Um, if people if people want to find you, are you happy if I pop your LinkedIn be- in the comments below and they can connect with you on LinkedIn? Or is oh, there I would absolutely way? love that LinkedIn. I am. Um, I check LinkedIn probably more obsessively than I check my other social media, and I'm. <laughs> always delighted to have a chat with somebody, you know, uh, about the stuff I'm working on or the stuff they're working on. It's it's a fun dialogue. Um, I've made some great friends on LinkedIn. Which is cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyone listening to this would be chuckling at me saying that because they know my <laughs> opinion of LinkedIn. But anyway. Um, <laughs> it's uh, It started out as a necessary evil. But, yes. you know, just like the piano lessons that you were forced to take in second grade, it means that you can now play a little bit of piano, right? I kind of look at it that way. Yeah. Might be able to get Mary had a little lamb out. You never know. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> on that note, I cannot thank you enough for um, joining the Hiring Partner Perspective Unedited Podcast. Thank you so much. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure. It was wonderful spending some time with you this morning. Thank you, Katrina. Thank you for listening to the Hiring Partner Perspective Unedited Podcast, proudly supported by the people at WorkDrive. Hopefully you really enjoyed what you heard and have left feeling inspired. And if so, I would love your help to create real change. Please pass this podcast on to your hiring leaders and other recruiters and HR. Even share it on your social channels if you feel so inclined. But the more reach we can get, the more change we can create. So please remember to subscribe, of course, on your favorite podcast platform. And do come and say hello at Hiring Partner Perspective on Instagram, where I share behind the scenes of what's going on. Until next time. Thank you. Have you ever found yourself scrolling through financial news and wondering, how does any of this affect me? How can I read a major headline and truly understand what impact that has on not only my portfolio, but my life? Well, our goal on the podcast Inside the Street, hosted by Wall Street analyst Celeste Schifre Partners, is to provide public investors and young professionals with a deeper understanding of the mechanics that drive those major headlines. And what better way to dive into these mechanics and hosting Wall Street analysts themselves to discuss the newest trends in finance firsthand? Well, on our show, we bring you real perspectives from the front line. Hearing these analysts give commentary has made our listeners much more well-versed on the financial markets. This approach to discussion allows our listeners to engage in conversation with much more educated opinions and predictions. So be sure to check out our show, Inside the Street, wherever you find your podcasts.